Hello, my name is Edgar King and I am the lead pastor of Trinity Vineyard Church in Akuru. I am so grateful that you are um, tuning into our podcast today. Head over to our Facebook page and see some of the information that you may need if you're in Akuru and you'd like to join us. Nonetheless, we will still be on live for those who are unable to join us in person. Thank you very much. I hope this uh, installation of talks today will be a blessing to you. So, uh, my name is George Oula. I'm the worship leader here at Trinity Vineyard Church Nakuru. Uh, it's been a long while since I, st- uh, I stood this far end of the stage, but I'm really excited that this morning God is going to use me to speak into your hearts and to speak into your lives today. So, um, by the end of uh, the talk today, I just want to have to, um, I just want you guys to go home with two things. Um, answering questions. Maybe we've had questions uh, in the midst of the storm. We are, we are faced with a lot of things, and we ask ourselves questions like, why does God allow us to go through these things? Uh, so I just uh, would love us to go home just understanding um, how we can be strong believers to go through all these storms. So I'll just start with a bit of my history. Um, I've always desired to work for God. I've always wanted, I've always had that part of working for God. So, um, but there's one thing that I sort of misunderstood when I wanted to serve God. I wanted him to be glorified through me. I wanted him to receive all the glory through me. And I wanted the glory to go back to him, but not me. And in fact, that is the reason why I even chose to do worship. But there is something I misunderstood. I thought to myself, if I am serving God, shouldn't God be making my life easier and not harder? And in my heart, I realized that the the thing that I was missing, maybe I wanted to be that exception, that I will serve God and I will not go through all these uh, trials and tribulations. So I thought maybe I am the exceptional one. But oh boy, I'm still in that same journey with everyone. So God used people to show his power. Did he use comfort or did he use trials? And the answer to that question is God has been using trials to sharpen his people. And so this morning, I just want to tell you that you will go through a lot, but God is going to use that to teach you. So we read stories of uh, the people who've, who've, who've actually gone through trials and tribulations. In the Old Testament, we have a lot of people, Job, Joseph, Daniel, Moses, David, Isaiah, and all these people who've gone through major trials. And most of these people are actually remembered just because of how they went through those trials. And sometimes when I read these stories, like um, a few days ago, I was reading about Job, and, I, and in my heart, I felt like, God... Could you just use me like Job? But the bigger question is, am I ready to face all those trials and tribulations the way Job faced? I sort of felt in my heart that maybe I wasn't ready. But today, I'm telling you that I'm choosing to commit in this journey. Let us pray. Our dear and everlasting Father, our glorious King, 
this morning we are just asking you to come down, settle in us, send your spirit in us. I'm asking that you will work miracles in our lives. You will stand within, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the temptations, because you are God over it all. So come, Holy Spirit. So today I'm going to talk a little bit, just touching um, on one of the stories of um, a guy called Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph went through a lot of trials and tribulations. His brother sold him to Egypt. He went to Egypt, faced, um, he was imprisoned because of his um, faith and because of standing firm in his faith. And the funny thing about Joseph is that he chose forgiveness over revenge when his brother sent him to Egypt. Joseph also chose love over hate. When he had all the reasons to hate his brothers, he chose love over hate. He also chose kindness over greed because when he was given an opportunity to become a leader in the land where he was captive, he could have done everything to benefit himself, but rather he chose kindness over greed. He's been known to be one of the guys who cried a lot, you know, shed a lot of tears because of what he went through. But there's also another person who also went through the same trials and tribulations. The main reason Joseph wept was because of the unbelief of his brothers, that even though God has done all these things, they still couldn't understand what God was actually doing. And that made Joseph weep. And it's funny that his story goes down, or, or rather his lineage goes down to Jesus Christ, who died and saved us, who sacrificed his, uh, his life just for our freedom. And there's one thing that is similar to Jesus and Joseph. They all wept because of the unbelief. And church, the unbelief is what makes us go far away from God. Our unbelief is what separates us from understanding what God really wants for our lives. So as Joseph, we should respond with forgiveness. When we are faced with all these trials, when we are in the midst of all these temptations and the storms, we should respond with forgiveness. We should respond with love and kindness, regardless of what is happening in your life right now, regardless of what will happen in your life, respond with kindness, love, and forgiveness. So during the time Christians were persecuted, Paul, a believer of Christ, wrote to encourage them to make them see with their spiritual eyes. We are given two sets of eyes. One is the physical eye, and the other is the spiritual eye. So Paul, in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 4, commented on this and said, the God of this age has blinded the minds of, the un of unbelievers. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbeliever. The God of this world, Satan, he's doing his best to prevent, his pe to prevent people from perceiving the spiritual truth. The truth that is found in the word of God. So today, my testimony has always been, God is my truth. And because God is my truth, then everything is possible because of God, not Everything is possible, therefore God is the truth. We start with him being the truth. And that truth is found when you read the Bible. 
So the primary purpose of the Bible is to change our lives. It's not to increase knowledge. And changing our lives means when you read and understand it, then you will get a chance to follow, to understand what you're actually following. And so we must understand before we can apply. Church, understanding without application does not make you godly. So you've got to understand. Read your Bible daily, daily, seeking, looking for Christ, looking for that truth that is found in the Bible. That's when you will get to understand, and that's when you will get to a place of knowing who you are in the Spirit. So yes, we have the, the, the physical eyes, but can we design the things of the Spirit? Can we design the, the things of the Spirit? So this morning, I just want to take you through a few uh, lines on how we can do this. So a dedicated Christian reads a passage, and its truth is evident to him. All of us are scholars, and we've read, right? We've studied, we've, we've researched. And the moment you research and find an answer, that's when you get to know. So it requires you to do a lot of research. And when you are researching through the Bible and you're daily looking for God in the Bible, you get the authority that he has. I like so much the, uh, the parable of the mustard seed. And, God's, um, and Jesus used that to illustrate how a tiny faith can move a mountain. That's the kind of authority you can get when you get to read your Bible. So because God... God's word is full of authority. In his name, everything is possible. So Jesus also taught with a lot of authority. So let's take a look at how Jesus sort of led. So um, in John 7, 17, Jesus answered and said, If you will do what I ask you to do, then you will know what I'm saying, if it's right or wrong. If you will do what I ask you to do, then you will know if what I'm saying is right or wrong. All he's trying to tell us, he was basically saying, doing comes before knowing. Doing comes before knowing. And when you do, you're committing to something. So commitment also comes before knowledge. So we commit to a lot of things in our day-to-day -day activities. When we wake up, we have to commit that we have to have faith in our hearts that we will reach wherever we are going. We have to have faith that we will study in order to pass an exam. That we will work hard in order to get a promotion. So we always commit to a lot of things. And, and um, I can use a small illustration. Um, all of you have come to church right now. So we all travel by road, maybe by, by air. So let's say you're going to Mombasa and you choose to go by air. And this time you become inquisitive. You go to the pilot and ask the pilot, so um, will this plane get me to Mombasa? And the pilot tells you, yes, it will get you to Mombasa. But because that's any answer anyone could give you because of the hope, you go ahead and even question him more. So what about a plane that maybe went down a few years ago? Can you guarantee that we will reach to our destination safely? And this time the pilot tells you, no, I can't guarantee that. But get on board. If we get there, when we get there, then you will know. In short, what I'm trying to say is the pilot is committing to trust that he will take you safely to the other side. So he's just, all he had in his heart is the commitment of knowing that 
I hope we will reach there safely. When you get into that plane, you're committing to the fact that you've been told and you're hoping that maybe all of you are going to get safe into the other side. So that is commitment before knowledge. So you simply are making a commitment before knowing what would even happen. So I come back to the authority. Authority has to do with will. It has to do with will. And when you're willing to do something, you've got to obey. When you're willing to do something, you obey, and then you do. So these three things cannot stand on their own. When you choose to follow, you have to take, you have to obey the authority. You have to obey whatever you've learned from the Bible and from however, wherever you've got it from. Then lastly, you get to do so that you understand if it's something productive or not. So in the midst of the storm, God's authority, the authority you'll find in the Bible is what will take you through the storm. And this is just the hope I'm bringing to you guys today in the morning to encourage you that in the midst of the storm, there is light at the end of the tunnel. In the midst of the storm, God is using us to get to a better place, to get to a better understanding of his word. So two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Luke talked about, you know, defending your faith. And he mentioned uh, about being a people of faith. And just to add on this, Paul mentions that in 1 Corinthians 2.14, and he says, a man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come with the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I would love to repeat that again. A man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come with the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually designed. So we need to be a people of faith, to fight for what you believe in. You cannot fight for anything. You don't have an idea. So we need to be a people of faith. And God needs people who will stand firm in these evil days to fight for what we believe in. Peter also, the apostle, calls us to a full submission to Christ. He says, those who observe us will notice the difference. When I was growing up, there was this Bible verse I, I used to, to read, and it speaks about, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. That you are becoming a mirror. You're mirroring um, the goodness of God to other people. That they will understand who the Lord is to you and what your hope is. So Peter helps us to understand the question, how can you be so hopeful in such difficult circumstances? So in 1 Peter 3, verse 15, it says, But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy. Always being prepared to make a, de uh, a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gladness and respect. Do it with gladness and respect. So, church, this is how we can conquer the storm. But I'm going to give us just four points that we can take home today on how we can stand firm through the storm, through the turmoils, and through the tribulation. Number one, in the verse, it says, honor Christ, uh, for he is holy. Honor Christ as holy. 
So we honor certain people because of their social status. Um, maybe because of their positions and their value in the community. And there are biblical instructions for whom, uh, that tells us whom we should also honor. But in 1 Peter 2.13, admonishes us to honor those who rule and includes God in it. But there are a dozen Bible verses that tell us to honor God. So it does not tell us just how, just to honor God, but it tells us how to honor God. So church, honoring God means honoring Him with your talent. Honoring Him with your temple, your body. Honoring Him with your finances, your treasures, and with your time. Because these are the small gods that take over your belief in Christ. But when you give it all to Jesus, when you give it all to God and put God above every one of them, then you're honoring God. Number two, we have to be prepared. You cannot go to war without preparing, without trying some, some few skills here and there. So we need to be prepared. So in, to, in, in our day-to-day -day activities, we wake up so early, prepare for our speeches and, and, and go deliver very strong speeches. We prepare for everything in our lives. And even last week, I was preparing for my sermon. I had to research. I had to go uh, read the Bible. I had to ask believers. And so we have to be prepared. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it, um, it commands us to study hard, to show thyself an approved workman who does not need to be ashamed rightfully dividing the word of truth. So if you want to become this kind of person, you have to study. You have to go back and research. You have to go back intentionally reading your Bible. Um, there's this funny statement my dad kind of says sometimes. Um, he once used it on me and he said, you want God to talk to you? You want God to minister to you? There's a book for that. And I went, yeah, I mean, the only way God can minister through, through, to me is through the Bible, is through understanding him. We cannot really be people of spirit without understanding what the spirit is all about. So we need to take our time and daily dive into the scriptures, at least read. Number three, we need to make a defense. When you go to war, you have to put on all those what are they called? Um, armor. And you have to be ready to face whatever circumstances, whatever uh, thing that is coming in front of you. So making a defense. Um, for me, I can say making a defense is about giving an answer or, uh, about your hope. You know why you're really following Christ. And you know why you are really diving deeper to understand why are the things of the Lord. So making a defense, talking to that person, witnessing to that person who does not know Jesus Christ, that is also making a defense. Explaining to that person who is questioning the things about the Lord, maybe they don't understand about it. You have to be ready to make a defense, to give an answer when, you, when there is a question. Also, making a defense is daily living in research, daily living in wanting to seek God, wanting to know his, um, his purpose 
for your life. Then you get a testimony that you can go ahead and share it with other people. And lastly, church, we have to do it with gladness and respect. We have to do it with gladness and respect. So Christians are not called to condemn. They're not called to condemn those people who are curious about our hope. Nor are we supposed to be vengeful or insulting when we are explaining about our hope. Rather, we should explain our faith without harshness or dismissiveness. Be ready to sit and listen before giving your hope. Be ready to, to defend your hope by not letting any other thing distract you from telling other people how you feel about your faith and your hope. And we are not in the business of forcing people into heaven. We are to give light that will convict them to desire to go to heaven. So I hope that, that you will take this challenge to heart and properly understand what this command entails. When you have authority over, when you believe and have faith, then you have authority over whatsoever circumstances will come to you. And last time I checked, the Trinity hasn't announced any other way of dealing with, of, of, of I mean, it hasn't announced any other strategy. God is still going to use uh, trials and tribulations because he is trying you in fire, but helping you come through it as gold. He is using fire to refine you. He's not using fire to destroy you. So take this challenge today. If you're going through a lot, if you're going through uh, trials and tribulations in your life, there is light at the end of the tunnel. So as I was writing my talk um, yesterday at night, somebody sent me a message, a friend of mine. And um, when I read the message, I realized maybe all this was just for me to, was for me to understand. And the message says, um, there are all those parts I've omitted, but he sees the pain, but he, uh, he sees the pain, but he wants you to know that the pain is part of the present beauty. The pain you're going through, whatever circumstances you're going through, God is using that to refine you to a better person, to refine your story that you may have um, a testimony to testify about his goodness to other people. So church, my question today is, do you want to be used by God? Do you want to be used by God? It is worth it, but it isn't easy. If we want to be used by God for his glory, then we have to be entrusted with trials. We have to be entrusted with tribulations and turmoils. And there's also this one really good quote I like. Edgar uh, says it a lot. Even if I can't see how, I can be confident that God is working for his glory. So in the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of not um, understanding what's happening to you, have the confidence in you that God is working for your good and for the good of his glory. As I call up the band, as I call up the band, I just want to pose this question to you. Are you committed 
to still go through this journey. Regardless of knowing that there are trials and tribulations in the way, are you still committed to follow God? And for me, when I think about my life and how the Father Lord has brought me, I realize my story is enough to share. My story is enough to convict someone to come to Christ. So your story is enough when you want to help those people, help them believers to come to Christ, you can use your story. You can use your story. So, my reality check was this. If I want to be used by God for His glory, I must be prepared for trials. Because God has entrusted me with those trials. Lots of them. But Paul said, through many trials and tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Yeah, so this morning, I, I want to send you into this city with authority given to me by God. And there are three things I want us to go and meditate upon in our workplace, in our homes, and wherever we are going to spend our week. So first, we need to ensure that we've trusted our eternity to God. Let's go and think about that. Have you trusted your eternity to God? Because that solves a lot of questions. Secondly, we can strengthen our faith through regular Bible study. What is that um, thing that takes a lot of your time? Replace that with only one day of Bible study. If you're a daily um, reader of the Bible, share that with other people. Witness. And finally, we can join with other believers in a solid church, in a solid community, your working place, wherever you will be. And by joining with other believers means you're bringing in strength, stronger ways of tackling or weathering the storm. Because this is not a solo sport. It is not a solo ride. But all in all, God is working for His glory. Even when you don't see how He is working for His glory.